0: Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The most powerful and strangest lump of organic material in the known universe is sitting inside your skull. The human brain weighs about three pounds. Call it 1,400 grams if you're feeling metric. And contains about 10 billion neurons. A piece of brain the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and over a billion synapses. At the same time, the brain uses only about 10 watts to function, which is 10 times more efficient than your laptop. One brain, we think, is equivalent to at least 100,000 laptops when it comes to computing power. And that actually seems kind of low. Even then, it can do things no computer can do, no matter how big. That thing inside your head could have a storage capacity of perhaps up to 2.5 petabytes, although no one is really sure for yet. In fact, the capacity of the brain might, in fact, be unlimited. Not bad for something that's 60% fat. There is no obvious biological reason for it, but our brains seem to be hardwired for music. There are special areas of the brain devoted to just dealing with music and nothing else. Maybe this is the result of our ancient ancestors trying to imitate birdsong. It could be related to language. Maybe it has something to do with storytelling. I mean, details are sometimes easier to remember if they're put to music. Or maybe music developed alongside with religious rituals and chants. Because of the way music is wired into the brain, it's a very useful tool when it comes to figuring out how that 10-watt lump of fat in our skulls works. And sometimes we learn things that are completely unexpected and almost always totally wonderful. Let me show you. Here are some mind-blowing facts about music, the brain, and the body. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. odds and a brain song to start this program about that thing between our ears and its relationship to music. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and although I'm not a neuroscientist, I'm going to act like one for this program. I've been collecting facts and information on music and the brain for years, and it's time to share some of what I found out. There's some pretty freaky cool stuff coming up, but we better start with some basics. We should probably begin with some anatomy. Experiencing music requires all four of the brain's major lobes. Some are responsible for reactions. Others are responsible for emotion. Others touch on memory. And finally, there's music-motivated movement. Let's break this down. It's only fairly recently that scientists have been able to narrow down exactly what part of the brain deals with music. The temporal lobe, a hunk of brain right in the middle, has two hemispheres. One, the one on the left, interprets speech. The one on the right helps us recognize the structures and patterns of music. This area is connected to the auditory cortex, which is located right behind the ears and is about as big as your thumb. It's the thing that filters and sorts all the audio information coming at us. It breaks down what we hear into rudimentary bits and funnels those bits to the appropriate parts of the brain. It's pretty busy and works with the cerebellum, if it senses speech, that audio is routed into the part of the brain that deals with speech. If it senses music, that audio gets routed somewhere else. And not only that, the auditory cortex contains a group of neurons that light up only when we hear singing. That's all they do. They don't light up when we hear someone talking or just instrumental music, just when someone is singing, and nobody knows why. Then we have our musical memories. They're stored in the hippocampus, which is where all our memories are formed. However, musical memories, our personal database of familiar songs, are, while still on the hippocampus, separate from all our other memories. Neurologists figured this out by studying people with brain damage. They found people who have suffered irreversible amnesia because of a disease or an accident. They remember nothing about their lives, but remarkably, they still remembered all their favorite songs. And if they knew how to play an instrument, They remembered how to do that too. And they can even still read music. That is, if they could before the accident or before they got sick. All their other memories may have been wiped out right down to their name. But for some reason, their musical memories remain intact. Then we have Bracca's area. This is a spot between the frontal lobe and the temporal lobe. This is the spot that not only helps us produce speech, but it's what we use to express music like playing an instrument or singing. It's right next door to Wernicke's area, which is also next door to the auditory cortex. And we use this part of the brain to analyze and enjoy music. Surrounding all this is the nucleus accumbens. This is the pleasure-seeking part of the brain. When we find something we like, the nucleus accumbens gives us a blast of a hormone called dopamine, which is the body's natural feel-good drug. We get dopamine from an orgasm, a hit of cocaine, or a song we really like. So we quite literally have part of our brains designed to seek out sex, drugs, and rock and roll and how to react appropriately. The nucleus accumbens is connected to the amygdala. This is where all our emotions are processed and triggered. Again, when we hear a great song and you feel chills, this is where they come from. That's a dopamine rush. There's a subregion called the caudate, and it can sense where the music is going. In fact, the Codate can somehow anticipate the emotional climax of a song up to 15 seconds before it happens. This is why songs that build before a big drop or a big release feel so good. We sense, we anticipate, that a big payoff is coming. Music is also sensed by the hypothalamus, which regulates everything from thirst and hunger to sleep to heart rate to body temperature and mood. If you play some relaxing music, the hypothalamus reacts by producing essential hormones that reduce heart rate and blood pressure. It also does the opposite when you hear a great high-energy song. Heart rate goes up, blood pressure rises, and you feel a burst of energy. The hypothalamus and all these other areas talk to the pitumin, which is the area of the brain that processes rhythm, body movement, and coordination. Once music-generated dopamine gets into this area of the brain, we may feel a spontaneous need to move with the music tap our foot, bang out a beat on the steering wheel, or outnote dance. In fact, if a song has a good beat or a good groove, it promotes something called cardio spinal excitability, otherwise known as the urge to dance. It includes pumping extra blood to the legs and changes to heart rate and breathing patterns so the body instinctively syncs up with the music. Scientists in Finland shoved a bunch of volunteers into an fMRI machine to see what parts of their brain lit up when they played different types of music happy dancey music, showed clear connections between the auditory cortex and the motor cortex. So they concluded that we are, for some reason, hardwired to dance to certain music. As an aside, more Finnish researchers concluded that everyone has their own unique style of dancing. How you move to music is apparently as distinctive as your fingerprints. All right, now that we've got all the wiring mapped out, close your eyes and listen to this song. Notice how your body and mind react, and you don't even have to like the song to experience a neurological and physical response. Just close your eyes and trace the dynamics of this song while keeping track of how you feel. Well, we it's so yeah, now. The Our brains are generally very, very fast when it comes to recognizing a song we can retrieve practically everything about a song from that musical database in the hippocampus. I once did a presentation called I Can Name That Song in One Second or Less in front of several hundred people. And the audience had no trouble identifying songs like Stairway to Heaven from Led Zeppelin or the Guess Who's American Woman after hearing a clip that ran for just four-tenths of a second. They got the title, they got the name of the song, they got the melody, even the lyrics— Science says that the typical amount of time it takes us to retrieve a musical memory is about a hundred milliseconds. That's faster than the blink of an eye. And it's faster than it would take a beam of light to travel around the equator. And I'll prove it. What's this song? You have one half of one second. Okay, listen again. Yeah, that's a half second of John Fruscianti plucking the first note of Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But get this, I tried to fool you. Not only was that just the first half second of the song, but I also reversed it. So what we're hearing is backwards. Here it is again. But in real life, it goes like this. Yet your brain would have none of that. It works so fast with your musical memories that it was able to correctly identify the song even though it was hearing it wrong. Not on ever want Let's talk about music and emotion for a second. Scientists say that music can bring forth exactly 13 different emotions, regardless of who you are or what kind of music you like, or it seems your cultural background. The study looked at 2,500 people in North America and China. Across all those test subjects, the songs and genres changed, but the emotions they evoked did not. Those 13 different emotions brought forth by music are amusement, joy, eroticism, beauty, relaxation, sadness, dreaminess, triumph, anxiety, scariness, annoyance, defiance, and feeling pumped up. An example? Well, this song made almost all the subjects in this study feel pumped up, even if they'd never ever heard it before. More fascinating stuff about music in the brain coming up. This episode is all about the mind blowing relationship our brains and bodies have with music. Let's now talk about going to a gig and watching a live performance. You know that transcendent feeling that comes over you when you're at an amazing show and the performers and the entire audience seem to be totally in sync with the music? That's a neurological response generated by what's called mirror neuro. That's a neurological response generated by what's called mirror neurons in the right hemisphere of your brain. They allow us to get in sync with the thoughts and actions of others. Music is an excellent way to get into this state. The music synchronizes the brains of the performers and the audience. And this helps explain why music might sound better and feel better when it's experienced live. This is called entraining, the creation of a bond that allows an individual to have a better time if they're part of a collective. Our brainwaves match up so well during a great gig that research indicates that going to see a live show is actually better for your well-being than doing yoga. This can lead to weird changes in the way we perceive beauty. If the music is just right, the brain will readjust and recalibrate temporal perception. This explains why time sometimes has no meaning when you're listening to music. Minutes or even hours can go by in a flash. Those music-induced chemicals in our brains actually warp time. That's one thing. The other thing is what happens between musicians who are playing together. If you're in a band, you probably have felt this. Everyone literally gets on the same wavelength, their brains generating the correct chemicals in exactly the correct amounts using no fewer than 12 distinct parts of the brain. So when people talk about a band having the right chemistry, they are literally talking about chemistry, a mix of chemicals... In your scope. I want to go back to talking about the chills we get when we hear a great song. There's a lot of research going into this. In a study from 2020, researchers in France wired up 18 volunteers, people who say they regularly get chills from music, to an EEG machine. And played the music to see what was actually going on in their brains to cause this particular reaction. They found that certain music created very specific electrical activity in an area called the orbital frontal cortex, a region that we use for processing emotions. These impulses create more activity in the supplementary motor area, part of the brain that controls movement, and the audio processing areas of the right temporal lobe, which, as we've heard, deals with music appreciation. These parts of the brain work together to get the amygdala to pump up more dopamine, that feel-good hormone. Combine that with the anticipation we feel when the best parts of a favorite song are coming up, we get a tingly chill that emanates from the cerebellum. That indicates a lot of extra connectivity is going on within the brain. But not everybody has this reaction. Research out of California says that people who get chills when listening to music have more fibers connecting the auditory cortex to those parts of the brain that deal with processing emotions. This means communication between these regions is better, and better communication allows music and emotions to mingle more freely in our heads. So if you get goosebumps from music, that means, well, you have an extra special brain. You have more of these connecting fibers than most people, and that results in an additional physical response to the music. Why we evolved to have any of these physical responses is a mystery, although some neurologists say that this is a byproduct of us learning how to anticipate events in the immediate future. Like I said, neurologists are so fascinated by the music body reaction that they're always studying it. Queen Mary University in London went so far as to create a Spotify playlist of the 700 songs most likely to create a chills and or goosebumps response in people. They found that sadder, slow, less intense, and more instrumental songs worked best. This playlist included Only Love Can Break Your Heart by Neil Young, Prince's Purple Rain, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, How Soon Is Now from The Smiths, The Foo Fighters and Best of You, Creep by Radiohead, and this one. Let's test it out together. When we come back, more of the complex relationship between music, the brain, and the body, including the answer to, why does music sound better when you're high? Let's finish up this look at the brain and music by answering a few common questions about why music affects us the way it does. You've probably listened to a song a million times without really paying attention to the lyrics. And then one day, for some reason, you do. And then you think, what the hell? What? Or maybe you listen to music that's sung in a language you don't speak, but you like it anyway. What's going on there? These two reactions are related and very complicated. It involves something called sound symbolism. Basically, you could appreciate and enjoy sounds, like singing, without really needing to understand what's being sung. We're just enjoying the lyrics as sounds, not as words. It's only when we really concentrate on the words, if it's a language we understand, that their meaning might sink in. And if the song is in a foreign language, we really don't care because these sounds just sound good. Again, the human brain has evolved to respond to sound first and what's being sung second. Here's a tip if you've been to a very loud concert. You know that weird muffled underwater feeling that you have with your hearing when you've been exposed to music at high volumes for an extended period of time? That results from powerful waves of sound punishing little hairs in our inner ears called cilia. Their job is to convert the acoustic kinetic energy of sound waves into electrical impulses that the brain then interprets as sound. Too much volume destroys or impairs cilia, resulting in an inability for them to do their job. It takes about three days for them to regenerate, which is when your hearing returns. But eventually, repeated damage will ruin that ability to regenerate, meaning that you will permanently and irreversibly lose your ability to hear anything. So, wear earplugs. But if you do find yourself with post-concert hearing impairment, resist the urge to drink coffee. Caffeine plus audio overstimulation equals more time for your hearing to get back to normal. You know, it may have been a late night and coffee may have seemed necessary, but don't do it if you want your hearing back sooner. Here's an odd bit of research. Your taste in music may be related to the height of your parents, or specifically, the parent which did most of the parenting. Let's say, for example, most of the heavy lifting with your upbringing was done by your mom, and your mom's a bit on the short side. Chances are that because she had shorter legs, her walking pace was quicker. Babies tune into that as they're being carried or pushed about. And the theory is that they thus grow up to enjoy music with quicker rhythms. Conversely, a taller parent has longer strides and a slower walking rhythm. The sons and daughters of those people apparently grow up to like their music a little slower. And here's a common question. Why does music seem to sound better when you're high? It is not your imagination. Let's deconstruct this. We've already learned that so much of our central nervous system is activated when we listen to music. Lots of computing power is going on. The receptors in our brain that respond to cannabis do much the same. They're called CB1 receptors. And when there's cannabis in the blood, they go hyperactive, which changes our mood and our appetite, hence the munchies, and sensation. Music plus cannabis enhances activity in the metolimbic dopamine system. That means for every note of music we hear, we get extra dopamine secretion caused by cannabis. And remember that dopamine is the body's feel-good hormone. The more music, the more CBD, and the more THC, the more dopamine gets released. And the brain finds this wonderfully gratifying. And because being high tends to lock people into the moment by interfering with the creation of short-term memories, the result can be a lot of focus on the moment. That means the music you're listening to becomes more interesting because our natural need to anticipate what's coming next is actually suppressed. It's like hearing the music note by note. That means you're able to pick out things that you've never heard before. Complex music makes more sense, and even simple arrangements seem to reveal more. So no wonder so many musicians and music fans say that a little weed is good for what they do. There are plenty of playlists that suggest songs that sound best while high. I browse through a bunch of them, and this one seems to come up a lot. Finally, I want to talk briefly about the health benefits of listening to music. There are plenty, but there are a few that you might want to use immediately. If you're suffering from some kind of pain, a headache, muscle ache, joint pain, something like that, and you're taking some pills like Advil or MyDol, listen to music after you take your pills. According to researchers at the University of Utah, taking ibuprofen will reduce inflammation by 70%, which accounts for less pain. But get this, when they gave pain sufferers ibuprofen and had them listen to Mozart at the same time, that inflammation decrease went from 70% to 90%, which meant even less pain. Now, I should point out that they only tried this on mice and they only used Mozart, but If these findings hold in human trials, this could lead to whole new methods of pain management. Take two pills and listen to The Marriage of Figaro and call me in the morning. That kind of thing. A study from France determined the exact amount of music that we should listen to every day so we stay in good health. And that number is exactly 78 minutes. The exact songs are up to you, but things should be broken down like this for maximum health benefits. 14 minutes of uplifting music to exercise your happiness. 16 minutes of calming music, 16 minutes of music that counteracts sadness, 15 minutes of motivational music to help with concentration, and 17 minutes of music that will help you deal with your anger. I went to some playlists designed specifically for this study, and here's a recommended track for dealing with anger. There are so many fascinating connections between music in our brain and our bodies that we're going to have to come back to this topic in the future. But let me leave you with a few more things. Singing in the shower might actually be good for your physical and mental health. There was a small study in the UK that says after five days, people feel better about everything just by singing in the shower every morning. If you find yourself unable to tolerate certain music since the pandemic began, that is not your imagination. Studies are showing that people subjected to pandemic-related lockdowns became more sensitive to noise. 43% of the people in one study say that they just can't tolerate loud music the way they used to. And if you have a friend who has terrible taste in music, researchers at McGill in Montreal discovered that musical taste can be manipulated in minutes just by a little magnetic zap to the front of the brain they could increase or decrease the amount of enjoyment people got from music by using something called transcranial magnetic stimulation. Again, this has something to do with the regulation of dopamine within the brain, but they're really not sure how or why. There are hundreds of ongoing history podcasts to choose from on all the podcast platforms. You're encouraged to download and listen to them all. If you need music news and information on a daily basis, join me at my website, which is a ajournalofmusicalthings.com. Get the free daily newsletter, too. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and all email can go to alan at alancross.ca. See you next time, and uh, take care of your brain with the appropriate music. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.